0: 1-2 pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount, makes a great catch and won! The Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings and here it is! base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive to the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. A two run home run. The boys
1: take the lead. Morgan a smash up the middle. Base hit to
2: You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers to the Eurostep Podcast Network, the Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, I'm usually a pretty pessimistic and glass half empty person about all aspects of society and my life in general. So I try to make this Brewer's experience uh, not that. I try to be positive and look on the bright side. And while... I am no, by no means panicking. Don't put it in the newspaper that I was panicking. Uh, this series against the Chicago Cubs, though not punishing in the standings, was a little disappointing, uh, especially coming off the heels of the 2-2 split with the Pirates. Uh, just a tough series all around. I talk so much trash about the Chicago Cubs. That's probably why. So can we say uh, that there's a curse of Andrew Snyder? Yes, I recently finished a uh, a drama series where the main character uh, paranoid. Uh, Is this, are you gonna spoil? I'm not gonna spoil series? anything. It's a okay. series long. Uh, I'm he he uh, and there's a movie coming. Uh, he goes around all paranoid, thinking that he's cursed himself and his family. Uh, and that's me right now. I think I have cursed the Milwaukee Brewers and the Milwaukee Brewers family because they are six and seven against the Chicago Cubs this year.
1: I I disagree because I think the Brewers, in spite of everything this season, in spite of all of their injuries, they are first in the NL Central, which is pretty important. So that's that's one place. I mean, that margin has extended. We'll get you later. And I know you may not. You know, yes, you feel good about why that margin has been extended, and also you don't. But oh,
2: I I feel fine about it. I feel okay. It, it was and it was very necessary. I am completely at peace with it and happy about it because anytime you can go into a a, a three game series, lose two out of three, and still extend your division lead by a game, I'm thrilled about it. Potentially a game and a half, maybe only a half a game. We'll see that that series wraps up a little later. But I I do see your point and. The curse of Andrew does not extend to the overall season, because as we know, they have done a very good job in navigating injuries uh, to be in a position where they are. But just all of my constant taunting of the Cubs is, I think, where it comes in. Well, I I
1: just think Cubs Brewers games are competitive and we'll get into the specifics of this series. One of the things that uh, stood out to me is I remember on our very first episode covering actual Brewers games. You made note of you thought, say, Suzuki was someone we're going to have to worry about for, you know, considerable time to come. I, I think that was a good call. Well done on that. <laughs> um, could his return for the IL have been timed a little bit better for the Brewers? Maybe. But I, I just think that's kind of part and parcel of maybe a local rivalry too. Um the weird kind of mix of fans that you get whether it's in Ampham or is that really field it's it's a little bit different to, to other games but the Cubs it feels like they play up to the Brewers my bigger concern right now is not one that has a like a season long well look it could and it could when it all plays out but it, it goes back to what I said last time and they put themselves in a really good spot coming into what should have been an easy 10 game stretch in the schedule and they are blowing that right now, and it's it's a habit they seem to have in the, some of the easier games, like to currently be below five hundred seven games into a stretch where you're only playing the Pirates and the Cubs. That is disappointing. So, like, I get why you'd be down on that, and that's my frustration with the team, injuries and all. And injuries right now, like when we get to talking about the starting outfield for for yesterday, I think it becomes apparent this is not another normal stretch. But then there's also an onus, I guess, on the organization to address a very significant hole in the roster that has appeared midseason, that has appeared in parts of their creation, of their encouragement. You've got to go and fix that. And without that, they're in a not too great spot. They're having to try some weird things. Some of it's working, some of it's not. But this could have been a spell where like the, the Brewers could have been running away from the Cardinals and starting to kind of cast their eyes upwards uh, in the NL standings generally.
2: Yeah, and before we move on to the series against the Cubs, uh, anytime the Brewers have a frustrating loss, here's what I do to level myself. I look at this, this stat that continues to grow, except for last night. The Pittsburgh Pirates, I believe, are 7-2 and two against the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees, and 24-46 and 46 against anyone else. This is a stupid sport. This is a really <laughs> dumb sport, and sometimes that just happens. Uh, but yeah, this series just came down to not executing in in the moments when it mattered, except in in Game One, which was uh, a thrilling win. Uh, Add it to the list of thrilling wins this season, along with the Keston Hero walk off against the Braves and the ninth inning comeback against the San Diego Padres. It was uh, a great game for for late drama. And most importantly, it was uh, a big bounce back performance for Eric Lauer. He looked great. Six innings pitch, two hits, only one earned run, nine strikeouts, and only two walks. Uh, the run did come on a home run in the third inning. Uh, Nelson Velasquez, uh, I believe a rookie, uh, hit a hit a homer. He, he was someone that was impressive in the series defensively and center. I don't know that he had an outfield assist, but he showed off his arm <laughs> twice and uh, the Brewers had a couple instances where they ran on him and, and were lucky to to make it into the base. Uh, game would remain one nothing until the seventh inning, and then in his first start as a Brewer, Pedro Severino doubles home casting Hura to make it 1-1. Uh, at that point, you're like, okay, can we complete the comeback? And then the aforementioned Seiya Suzuki homers in the ninth to make it 2-1. Uh, Brewer stage a comeback thanks to some very uh, – a very walky performance. Uh, f- or no, this this is a game with hits. Uh, Dave from David mm-hmm. Robertson. Uh Christian Yelich does walk to to get the run home to make it two two. Then Brad Boxberger with a very impressive outing. Uh, Manfred Ball. We all know the difficulties that come with just being dropped into a supposedly clean inning with a runner on second base. Ends up allowing a hit and a walk, but records two strikeouts as well to get out of a bases loaded jam. And then, with two outs in the ninth or in the tenth, excuse me, w- with a situation where uh, the Brewers were not able to get the run home with those with their you know first two outs, it seems like another situation where they're going to just leave runners on base. Victor Caratini comes into this plate appearance uh, after previously going over four with four strikeouts, steps up with two strikes, hits a three-run homer to center. Brewers win five-two. Just a really traumatic game. And great to see uh, Victor having a, a short memory there because that's what you have to have. Um, th- that uh, Homer in the ninth for Suzuki, I forgot to mention, I was looking at the box score, not my notes, but one of the more unlucky plays of the game as well. A game
1: absolutely brutal, that ricochet. That's the first to that
2: extent I feel like I've seen. And it's a situation where it's not his fault, but had Jonathan Davis played center field in American family field more often maybe it's one where he realizes where the ball is going i've not, got no catch chance to catch this in the year i'm gonna stand up for take, the yeah play for the bounce take the ricochet so just kind of some bad luck there and just that it shot like a rocket off as far as it did suzuki crushed that ball um yeah tough tough luck but then they bounce back from that and then i and then win it in the 10th with the victor caratini homer a stat from that game um per stats by stats on Twitter that it was the first game in MLB history to feature feature one player hitting his first career Homer and another player hitting an inside the park Homer with another player hitting a walk off homer. So the kind of specific stats that like some guy uh, sitting in his laptop is just pulling out of something in baseball, like every game, someone's like scrolling, like has this happened before? Has this happened before? And in this case uh, we get first career Homer uh, walk off Homer and uh, inside the park Homer. So quite a wild turn of events. Most importantly in that game was the bounce back from Lauer. And uh, another good performance by Devin Williams, we should say. Uh, the ninth inning unlucky bounce ball that S- Suzuki hit did come off Josh Hader. He has not looked as sharp as we mentioned in the last podcast. I really thought he was going to bounce back before it hurt the Brewers. It That has not been the case, as we'll talk about later. An innings pitch, uh, two hits that one run it was earned and the inside the park homer, obviously a tough way to make it happen. Uh, but he's, uh, kind of hit a wall and it's explainable because he's had a really up and down season in terms of being with the team, being available for the team, just because of, uh, just the things happening in his personal life, which he obviously should take priority over baseball. So, uh, understandable that Josh would have a point in the season where he was struggling. Um, It seems we've reached a point, didn't hurt the Brewers on Monday, uh, but it will come back later in the series.
1: Yeah, first of all, to your stat, uh, from Stats by Stats, that's a real, like, Bill Hader, Stefan voice. This game had had everything because there was a lot of weirdness, too, even from the moment the lineups came out. We saw Victor Caratini at first base, not something that we were – I Not so we were prepared for at all, because even in the last pod, we talked through what we thought they should do with Severino, what we thought they might do. And I think based on Severino getting some first first base appearances down in Nashville, we thought if they were going to do something like this, he is probably the guy. So for for him to get to start a catcher and Caratini to go to first base, that was unexpected. As for Hader maybe a homestand isn't great for him right now. Might be good for his sleep. Uh, I'm sure he's very happy to be home and spending more time with his, his newborn child. But I do think to your point, he's been through a lot lately and his life is probably pretty hectic right now. So there's an element of that that is very much understandable. And there could be some burnout just from a pretty stressful period where on top of that, he was like on one hell, almost like an all time streak Um, in terms of how good he was at coming in, not allowing runs, generally not even allowing hits. So it's going to happen eventually, I guess. Overall, this is one you just kind of, you're happy to get out of, particularly in the dramatic fashion, like to get out of it with a win. I think in looking at the lineups throughout the series, there was a feeling for all of these games where it's just like, can we just we just get 2 of 3 here like somehow get 2 of 3 keep the show on the road and they didn't quite manage to do that um but yeah there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now that we could just talk about the games as the games and possibly miss out on
2: yeah there's there's definitely a lot of weird stuff and that also came into play in game 2 because it was uh an uncharacteristically poor performance from the brewers defense that was part of their undoing part of it was jason alexander was not the sharpest he's been this season he even started in the first inning there was some hard contact i think every ball hit in that inning even though outs recorded were uh, in the like 94 mile per hour exit velocity range the thing we know about jason alexander this year is what does he do he gets himself in trouble and then he gets himself out of trouble and in this case, he got himself into trouble on his occasion. His teammates got him into trouble with some uh, poor throwing, really, in this in this game. Uh, and then he just wasn't able to get out of it. That was something that was to be expected uh, lately for Alexander. It's been kind of a push and pull for what his role is going to be. Went quite a while between starts with two relief appearances in between. So uh, if that was affecting him as well, that would, would not be surprising. Um, I mean it, it started
1: it started quite well and I mean he he did have something of a handle on it. He didn't really get any help and we we know what needs to happen for a good Alexander start. You need to be really kind of tidy in the infield. And this that's, game was just it was ridden with like fumbles and overthrows and all of that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, and and that's that's just kind of the issue with when you just don't get swings and misses that often. Mm-hmm. Is that I uh, Corbin Burns could walk the bases loaded and, and strike his way out of it. Devin Williams could do that as well. Jason Alexander needs a ground ball hit in exactly the right spot. He needs his fielders to make the play. You need
1: four other guys to be perfect, too.
2: Exactly. You just yeah. you just throw so much more variance into the situation. Um, the game, yeah, like you said, it it got started in a very nice spot. Rowdy Telez Homer to right in the first inning uh, to make it two nothing brewers. And I think at that point it was an instance of, uh, 10 consecutive hits for extra bases for rowdy. And that tied tied him in brewers history for the most of all time, I believe, uh, with Ryan Thompson, if anyone is a big Ryan Thompson fan, let us know and we will send you nothing. I don't have the budget right now. Uh, but, but yeah, so rowdy, really just hitting for power lately. And I, I believe that streak continued because in the final game, he would not get another hit in this series or in this, yeah, in this series. And then his only other uh, time he reached base was via walk. So now 10 consecutive hits have gone for extra bases. Can he break the record with 11? I, I wouldn't bet against it because it seems like every time he's hitting the ball, it's going to the wall or over the wall. Um, so at that point uh, the brewers have that two, nothing lead and and you're feeling pretty good uh Jason Alexander throws uh I believe three scoreless innings to start this game the Cubs get one on a RBI ground out in the fourth but Alexander bounces back to get out of that inning uh, uh, inducing a nice soft ground ball that uh, Luis Irias makes a nice play on uh running in to field the ball and throw out the runner on a play that could have easily resulted in an infield single and then um the fifth inning is kind of where things start to get out of hand before the sixth inning just really blows this game out of the water. And it is where the errors start. Uh, Rafael Ortega flies out to start the fifth. Uh, Nico Horner reaches on, on a throwing error by Adamas, where he just absolutely airmailed the first baseman. Ian Happ doubles on a weird ground ball to third base that, that gets by Arias. I, I still don't think um, – Jace makes that play. Maybe Nolan Arenado or, Anato or, or uh, Matt Chapman make that play. It was a weird ground ball that he just didn't know how to read and gets by him. And, and then say Suzuki again. I should not have spoken this into existence in April. Homer's to left field to make it four-two Cubs in that situation. Uh, Alexander gets out of that the rest of that inning without uh, too much more damage. But like you said, Adam. It, his pitching style requires the the defense to be perfect, and the uncharacteristic error from Adamus there, uh, it did show off once more how powerful his arm arm is because if that hit someone in the stands, they were probably uh out of commission for quite a while. But just a really a really tough inning, uh, for for the, the defense there, and then Alexander, you know, normally so good about getting out of jams, but he just couldn't there. In the six, it would go from bad to worse, um. Rafael Ortega tripled after uh, Jan Gomes and Nelson Velasquez would reach via single. The triple brings them home to make it six two. Uh, Ortega would reach home on an Ian Hap steal to second. The throw down to second uh, I think was cut off by Colton Wong. Wong third of the plate was not handled, and the run scored. And then Suzuki again singles to left to score Hap eight two in the sixth and. At that point, it felt like the game was over, but it actually wasn't, Adam. I don't know if you were able to catch up to the point where this game was really lost, but if, if you were, I'll hand it over to you. If not, I can kind of uh, recap from there, and then then that pretty much covers this game. I'll let you keep going
1: because you're making me nervous.
2: <laughs> oh, you, if you don't remember the situation. Okay, so the, the Brewers showed some nice patience and really looked like they were about to answer early in this game uh, or early after the The game seemed to slip away from them. Rowdy walked to start the sixth. McCutcheon walks to start the sixth. Wong walks, bases are loaded. Uh, Luis Urias hits a ball hard, lines out to the shortstop, almost was a double play. Nico Horner, uh, his throw to double up the cut McCutcheon at second was wide of the base. And then Jace Peterson grounds grounds out into a double play in the next at bat. And just like that, they're out of the inning. And from then on, uh, that was pretty much it. Cubs go down in order in the seventh. Brewers go down in order in the seventh. Uh, Cubs go down in order in the eighth. It They shouldn't have. Nico Horner singled to right field, and then Jace Peterson made a really nice play to throw him out. One bounce to second base. And then Brewers go down uh, three strikeouts in a row in the eighth. Uh, and then in the ninth, they would get another run. On a Victor Caratini single with two outs following a Jace Peterson two out double. But that bases loaded situation in the sixth was their chance to get back into the game. They didn't. And it led to an 8 3 loss. Really, the name of the game is uh, uncharacteristically poor defense. Uh, I think in, there was another error on Luis Arias. Uh, Colton Wong probably should have turned a double play in the f- first inning, but had a bobble that allowed that runner to reach. Obviously, that didn't hurt them, but it was just a situation where this is a normal, normally, solid rock solid defensive team they didn't have it today uh alexander was unable to pitch out of those jams five and a third innings pitch eight hits seven runs six of them were earned despite the errors two walks two strikeouts a homer allowed season era up to four seven five on the year really tough uh for him rowdy made a point of saying in the postgame presser that he did deserve better and the defense did let him down uh, that's the one thing about this team is they hold themselves accountable for mistakes. So it it was nice to see kind of one of the, one of the leaders of the team uh, say that and stand up for a teammate who had a tough day overall, just uh, kind of uh, when you, when you throw in the garbage can uh, and you say, I, I don't want to think about that game ever again. Uh, but uh, yeah, tough one for Alexander and uh, a game where it, it started off so promisingly and just quickly, quickly fell apart in those middle innings.
1: I do remember the Jace double play with the the bases loaded. For me, though, it is the because this is a game. I mean, anything with the offense, sure, if the offense comes alive, there you could still get out of this. But the defense did lose this game because of just the errors on errors, and it was such a mess. So for me, it is that the play where you're you're giving away a run when you've already reached a point where you can't afford that, and that is or- Ortega scoring after. Caratini's throw to second was a little bit off target. Hop was hesitating but Colton gets there, isn't able to get hop out and then is looking and is like, okay, Ortega's going to st- score, throws it back off target to Caratini and those two guys, you kind of just expect better from generally and out of nothing, you're like, okay, we're just, just giving away another run. It's not great and it kind of typified the afternoon.
2: Adam, as I mentioned, uh, try- trying to be positive about baseball in a way that I never have before so I do want to read one positive note about this game and give out hand claps to to a player that deserves it uh Christian Yelich stole a base in the first uh made it to third on a throw down to center that was when I was impressed by Velasquez's arm and Sophia Minert reported on the broadcast and then later tweeted Christian Yelich has become the seventh active player in Major League Baseball with 150-plus homers and 150-plus stolen bases. That list also includes teammate Andrew McCutcheon. So, fun fact, Christian Yelich, quite the career so far, and a nice uh, milestone to check off.
1: And we mentioned the last part. His base dealing has been one of the the certainly most enjoyable elements of his play this season. He's been doing a really good job there, while a lot of the focus is on the areas where he's not maybe at his best he is reliably getting on base and then finding ways to advance through the bases. So
2: yeah, shout out to Ellie. He sure is. Um, and yesterday yesterday, game three, moving on to another game that uh was not great, but hey, it's baseball. Um, it was the one-year anniversary of the trade that brought Ratty Telez from Toronto to Milwaukee. Uh reporters asked him about it after game two, and he uh deadpan staring at them that they had ruined the surprise that he had planned for himself, uh, tomorrow. So that was, that was the nice moment from the series as well. Uh, Burns, Corbin Burns just did what Corbin Burns does. Uh, I think he struck out four of the first batters that he, uh, he uh, excuse me, God, my voice today is not great. I'm not able to talk when they win. I'm, I'm so much better at talking. Uh, he struck out four of the first five outs he recorded, Ended his day seven innings, pitch three hits, a walk, and 10 strikeouts. Uh, there's another stat here that someone mentioned. Yes, uh, so Burns tied Giovanni Gallardo 18 10 strikeout outings, most in team history. And big time Ty Windish, uh, host of the Euro Step podcast and our good friend and occasional cruising for a bruising guest, um, tweeted this I have not done any very fact check this. I do I'm, I'm I have nervous. Not. I have not. I'm just putting this all on the shoulders of Ty Windish and wow. not fact-checking anything. Blame Ty if this is wrong. Yeah, I trust him. I trust him. He, he noted that Gallardo completed this across uh, 211 starts. Burns did it in his 58th start. He's just the, one of the most elite starting pitch, pitchers in baseball right now. You all know this. We all knew this. But just every day that we get reminded uh, is is quite something. And we're in a position where you need to, to savor the days of watching Burns pitch because pitchers like this don't come along every day. Sometimes people will say they do, and then they're just Garrett Cole, and then they're just overpaid playing for the New York Yankees. Uh, the, the run that the Brewers were able to come by in this game was uh, pretty exciting because this could have not been a shutout for Corbin Burns. In the top of the fifth inning, a ball crushed to left field Casting Hura makes a nice play running into the wall to, to save a run from scoring record the out. Burns was able to get out of the inning. And then in the bottom of the fifth, fifth inning casting hits a ball 440 feet makes it one, nothing brewers. Casting has a flair for the dramatic. He's probably either going to strike out or he's going to actually, or he's going to crush a baseball into orbit against the wall. Still one of the more, as Will Salmon put it, interesting players in baseball right now, just because of just the wild swings and uh, what happens when he's at the plate.
1: Those few minutes are exactly why the Brewers, as an organization, likely can't quit him right now. Right? I mean, that's you see where someone's talking themselves into him. I still really struggle with it, but you camp up Marvel. Uh, oh, he's out in left field today, and he's making an unbelievable catch where he's just like planting himself face first into the wall and then he's just going up and he's like, yeah, I'm going to hit that's maybe there's, there's others. I forgot about that's the, the deepest Homer that I remember seeing at Ampham so far this season, like that one was, was going out the other side of the stadium.
2: Yeah. That ball was absolutely crushed. Um, yeah, it's, it's why if he's on the roster at left field and DH pinch hitting, whenever find ways to get him at bats against right-handed pitchers and just see what happens. And that's, that's kind of what it looks like they'll be doing here, especially when they don't have their full complement of outfielders to play. Um, but, yeah, uh, so after the game, going into the the eighth inning, the Brewers still cling to this one nothing lead. Craig Council would say after the game that Devin Williams was getting a day off due to uh, his workload of late. That makes a lot of sense. He's pitched a lot. He's pitched really well. Uh, Boxberger takes over the eighth. And things do not go well. Um, and Christopher Murrell, uh hits a ball into deep center field that just missed a home run that would result in a double. David Ross, I think, is just one of the dumbest managers in baseball, I, despite the two wins in this series. And I, he was a guy I really liked before, the, uh, before he was a manager. He just seems to do a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, there was uh, a bunt decision in a game that made no sense where the guy ended up foul bunting out. I think it was in the Alexander start, like one of his strikeouts was because uh, David Ross had somebody bump with two strikes and he foul bumped it out. I, I don't understand his tactics. He chooses to review this play even though it's they have they have the replay that they can see. So he's got a guy telling him do this maybe or he's seeing it. The ball clearly is not a home run and over the line. It is off the wall. He decides to review it anyway, loses the challenge, and then I'm making fun of him in DMs to or the discord and then of course it would end up not mattering because rafael ortega after a say a suzuki walk uh singled to tie the game trevor gott would relieve boxberger with one out to get out of the inning and nico horner fly out to jonathan davis and in an in-hap pop-up to luis Irias and foul territory would get him out of the inning Ian Happ, someone that really scares me at the plate. I needed to look up his numbers against the Brewers this season because it feels like he's always getting big hits. So once he got recorded there, I felt really good about the Brewers coming back and winning this game. I did so in the eighth as well when Jonathan Davis led off the eighth with a single, uh, reaches second on an errant pickoff attempt, gets to third on a Christian Yelich groundout. Christian uh, got the runner over. They would intentionally walk Rowdy after I think the or think the at bat started. Um, I did not write down what happened in between that. But they would get to a point with two outs and Luis Urias at the plate. Uh, Urias strikes out. I believe it was a Willie Adamas pop-up to first base that was the play before that. So they get a runner on first base uh, with one out. Adamas is at the plate. All he has to do is put the ball hard on the ground to get through the infield, put the ball into the outfield. That run comes home. Unable to do it. Then the walk to Rowdy, then the the Arias strikeout. Sorry, compiling three games in your brain, uh, and then talking about it for forty five minutes. Very tough, but you know we we try to do it uh, for whatever reason. And then yeah, that was a situation where just uh, a lack of execution late in the game. Uh, Willie Adamas is is kind of fighting through it still. I, he had a double in this series. He is hitting for power, but um, it's, it's just a lot of swing it's and miss. Like
1: it's Cassinieresque offensively at the moment like it is all or nothing.
2: Yeah, and that that's that's kind of what's happening and you you take it because of the power and because of usually the defense it just just a a really hot and cold go of it for Willie Adams lately. Yeah, get get out of that inning unsuccessfully uh and then another tough performance from Josh Hader walks the leadoff man Patrick Wisdom strikes out Velasquez. And Gomes, and then P.J. Higgins hits a weird ground ball double, uh, past first base to make it two-one. Gets out of the inning after that, and then the uh, the Brewers go down in order. Wong, Pira, and Narváez not able to get anything going in the ninth. Uh, Cubs win the series two-one. Uh, win the game two-one. They're s- seven and six against the Brewers this season, and just a series that was there for the taking. With game, with game three being so close and having that lead game two having an early lead and then the dramatic comeback in game one it was also a series that could have been a sweep um because of just how that, how game one turned out but again not panicking because of just the nature of baseball would like to see some things cleaned up obviously especially uh, the defensive miscues in the, the second game of the series but uh, those I mean were all cleaned up in game three there were no errors uh, I think I remember uh, some a nice double play uh, a rowdy to Adamas Burns double play where the Adamas throw was back on point um, so who if that's something to worry about moving forward a long-term trend I don't think so on the defensive end especially um, I would say especially if they decided to get Chase Peterson more starts at third base, but I don't know with the full complement of infielders if that's what they'll do. You know, I think it'll probably be Arias Adamas Wong for most of the, the rest of the season. But um, yeah, tough series that ultimately has not been punishing in the standings. The Cardinals have lost three in a row to the Atlanta Braves. So the Brewers at 47 and 37 still hold that three-game lead. The Cardinals are 44 and 40. They do play the Braves again today to wrap up a four-game series. So uh, if they can hit Spencer Strider, that lead will drop to two and a half. If they can't, it will jump to three and a half. So uh, I'm holding my nose and rooting for Atlanta this week.
1: And of course, on that note, tough break in the standings. Uh, the Braves now two and a half games up on the Brewers. But if it's going to happen, this is the way for it to happen, which is by helping the Brewers out in their own division, taking care of the Cardinals.
2: Yes, um, and it seems like there's uh, there are tears forming in the National League, not tears on my face <laughs> from when losses happen, but it's just it's just becoming kind of clear that there well
1: there's Dodgers, Mets, and then there's I big gap.
2: I, I think the the Braves are coming in. Braves that. are going to be there. Are, okay. are they going to be in that category? They had a tough start to the season, uh, and now they just seem to be red hot, and I. I think that's real. Um, they're uh, three and and a half or sorry to uh, two and a half games back of the Mets in the national league East, four games back of the Dodgers for the best record in baseball. The Dodgers are obviously playing a different sport than the rest of us. They've got a plus plus one forty four run differential. Like they're insane. And they'll probably go out and trade for someone at the deadline because that's what they do. Last year they got trade Turner and Max Scherzer in one trade. So, uh, Yeah, there are tiers, and I think right now, I think I'll count them out of it for now, so I'll say the Dodgers are in their own tier, despite being only one and a half games up on the Mets. The Mets and Braves are kind of in a tier, and then I think the Padres and Brewers, and we'll throw the Phillies and Cardinals in there right now, I think are in their separate tier. I think the Brewers can be at the top of that tier when all things are all said and done. They get healthy. I mean, just think about I mean, who knows what would have happened with this season if Freddie Peralta's been in the rotation the whole time. I mean, that's that's really been one of the tougher blows of the season. And we see how Woodruff has come back and he looked like, like mid-season form. He looks great. If they can get Freddie back in August, September, whenever it is going into the playoffs, I still feel really good about this team in a short series. It, it's almost like they're not built to be a 162 team necessarily, but I could see them being a really good short series team just because, especially with arms, it's like, all right, we can just throw our best guys now and see what happens. If even if the offense goes cold, if it's not cold for all the, for three games of a series or four games of a series where you need to lose, you can win that series with pitching. Long way to go to get there, but um, tears definitely have seemed to have been forming in the National League. Uh, maybe I set my expectations too high going into the season, thinking that, uh, they would have a chance to contend for one of those top two seeds. Um, that's what I I was trying to speak into existence. Didn't happen. So, but, uh, overall in the standings, yeah, definitely not something that's going to hurt them hard. The Padres, uh, struggle with the Mariners this week. Uh, the giants seem to be in a tailspin. The Phillies have filled, uh that power vacuum in between uh the brewers and the cardinals in the wild card race right now and have been playing red hot baseball lately so this uh expanded playoff format's gonna make things very interesting you've got a lot of teams of a similar level uh competing for the same real estate so yeah it'll be interesting to see where things go from here.
1: I'd also to add to obviously Freddie has been a longer term absence and had a Great effect on the Brewers. But I'd like to see Hunter Renfro get back and stay back for a while. I think, particularly right now, when you look at a series like this Cub series, where they just need some more consistent offense, he is he is a loss, particularly given what's happened with Lorenzo Kane and his departure and the fact that there's no replacement there. We don't need to have a, a conversation about trades again. But if they could, you know, get some help. In the outfield, particularly at center field, that would be very, very welcome. Because, like Tyron Taylor being in concussion protocol, missing a few games, we see the effect it has and some of the weird things they have to do lineup-wise. Who's to say that's not going to happen to you in the postseason? Like we can talk about that they're built to be a a team that can win series, as in playoff series, as opposed to go one sixty-two, but if you're always any kind of slight injury illness is probably also worth mentioning. Uh, It's a world we live in away from being like, Oh, we have no center fielder and we're going to have to do some weird stuff. That's a, that's a big problem. And then the knock on of that is if your starter in right field is out and then it just, it becomes a mess. It becomes a situation where, like Jace is out in right field and Keston's out in left field. And, you know, some of those things work and those guys can do things there, but it's so far from the ideal scenario, so far from the kind of lineup you'd want to trot out if you're playing one of the top teams in the National League of the playoffs.
2: Shall we move on uh, to the Master Brewer leaderboard, Adam? Let's do it. All right. Not, not many to hand out for this series. There are two that are extremely obvious. Eric Lauer. Six innings pitch, two hits, two walks, one run, the nine strikeouts. Uh, great performance in the Brewers' only win in the series. Corbin Burns, another ace-like performance. Seven innings pitch, three hits, one walk, no runs, ten strikeouts. Victor Caratini, uh, two for nine on the series, but had that one walk-off, three-run homer. That will get you a beer every day and twice on Sunday. Kassin two for six, one homer, two runs, an RBI, a walk. Made the nice play in left field a uh, good series for Hura leaderboard after 84 games Rowdy Telez still leads with 12 Corbin Burns closing in quickly. He now has 11 Kristen Yelich sitting at nine Jace Peterson with eight Josh Hader with seven Andrew McCutcheon and Willie Adamas with six Tyron Taylor Devin Williams Hunter Renfro with five Luis Arias Colton Wong Brandon Woodruff Eric Lauer with four Hobie Milner Jason Alexander Aaron Ashby, Freddie Peralta, and now Victor Caratini and Keston Hero with three. Brad Boxberger, Omar Narvaez, Adrian Hauser with two. Jonathan Davis, Trevor Gott, Luke Barker, Peter Shazlecki with one. The single beer
1: up. club is pretty interesting at this point.
2: Yeah, the, the single beer club uh, is interesting. Guys that, uh, except for Trevor Gott.
1: Yeah, Trevor Gott is maybe the exception, or he might get out of that club at another point. I mean, Davis right now. He's going to get opportunities. Um, although he had that play that I don't think we talked about where he just mistimed his jump, but also he's, he's kind of small and right at the wall. The ball is just like an inch over his glove. That was unfortunate.
2: I am not going to sit here and criticize anyone for being short because fair enough. I, for, okay. I, I resemble that. Uh One one
1: thing on this, in case I missed this, because I've had a very busy work week and I haven't been as locked into this series as I have been others and as I would like to. Omar Narvaez, is there any reason why other than they're like, oh, Severino's back and for some reason we're going to try and make this work that he's only starting one game in this series? Because that does not seem like a good idea to me.
2: Yeah, so game one... Justin Steele was on the mound so council's doing the lefty thing uh game two is Kyle Hendricks so that's the one that really doesn't make sense for me um maybe it was a situation where they're like Caratini just hit his walk-off homer he's gonna use that to buoy him into buoy sort of more buoy him into uh the
1: boy is the way that you know us English speakers in this side of the world will say that word.
2: Okay. Well, I remember Elaine on an episode of Seinfeld saying buoy. So that's Bowie is what...
1: buoy is the American pronunciation of it. Uh,
2: okay. I thought it was going to, you know, lead him to another great performance. That's the only logic I can think of. But it does seem like uh, Narvaez has has kind of not played as much as you would expect him to play. But yeah. Don't really understand it from that standpoint. And now, who knows what's going to happen with Severino in the fold? Carrying three catchers just continues to make no sense for me, and unless they're trying to showcase Severino for that trade, but who knows what's going on with that?
1: Yeah, I it just kind of baffles me a little bit. Um, Omar should be playing more. Just that's generally across the course of the season, I think I feel like he should be playing more. Caratini has been excellent, so him getting a share and eating into that. Like makes sense, but now when you're adding someone else into that mix unnecessarily, that's where it gets really puzzling. Where you get a three game series and each guy is going to get one game, that's not really the approach to take going forward. I I do think there's a a clearer hierarchy in my mind, at least, of where the Brewers should be prioritizing appearances for their catchers.
2: At, it's, it's Severino one. Sure, that's um... exactly what I was saying. <laughs> Jonathan Leucroy, too. Alex <laughs> anyway, oh, Jackson. Uh, I'm trying to think of other old Brewers catchers. Um, moving on to the weekend, there's a, a day off today. Uh, some rest and re- relaxation, hopefully in order for the team. Uh, we're very close to the all-star break. We have passed the halfway mark, now sitting at 84 games played. Friday, seven ten Central start at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Aaron Ashby versus JT Brubaker, um, Saturday, a three ten Central start, uh, which is you know I love a good Saturday um, day game. Adam, why does why does baseball only have to be played at night? I say this for you, given the time zone you're in. Three sure, ten Central start. It. Brandon Woodruff versus Zach Thompson, and then Sunday, one ten Central start. Eric Lauer versus Jose Quintana. Uh, saw the Pirates last weekend, two two split. Getting them at home now after I believe they took two out of three against the Yankees, uh, because this team makes zero sense. Uh, no, it was only a uh, two game series for the Yankees, excuse me, but they split one out of two, a 5 2 win and then a 16 0 loss. This is who the Pirates are.
1: I mean, they they split with the Brewers and then they're going to split with the Yankees, and that's just not what they should be doing at all. So,
2: yeah, they're, they're they're wild because you also look at one of those losses to the Brewers was 19 2. this loss to the Yankees, 16, nothing They're, They're, they're the Keston hero of baseball teams, wild swings and performance. Uh, they're probably not, not as good as Keston. If you know, OPS in the highest seven hundreds, uh, and the pirates are 33 and 48. So I'll give the nod to Keston there. Uh, but I believe that does it for today. Uh, we've got things kind of wrapped up tough series to talk about. Uh, no panic would lo- like you said would love to get hunter renfro back kind of normalize the outfield a- and see what happens from there we've got a little under a month until that trade deadline not expecting any big moves based on uh what the front office and ownership has said in any kind of mini interviews on the broadcast They think they have the team they want and maybe can fill in around the edges and uh, we'll just have to Wait and see. Also, Jackson Shorio did hit another homer yesterday. So anytime I'm not in attendance, he is absolutely incredible at baseball.
1: All right. That does it for this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to wherever you get your podcast. That's like cruising for a bruising. We're on Twitter at BrewersGSPN. You should support the whole Eurostep podcast network. That's where you'll find ourselves. Um, but on that main feed, Eurostep Podcast Network, you also find the Eurostep Podcast and Win in Six Podcast, myself and Jordan Tresky. Um, Next episode of Winning Six should be with you on Friday. We'll have a long overdue mailbag. We'll catch up on some of the recent books, moves, surprising moves, I would say. Jordan and I will give our thoughts on that. I'm going to start to look ahead to Summer League and uh, Marjan Beauchamp's first action in books, colors, as well as a pretty interesting roster all around. Uh, who's to say exactly what the books are doing right now with the fringes of the roster, but going to be going to be a fun couple of weeks on that front. Um, just that is what someone says before they've actually had to watch summer league. My, my tune will be changed after I've you know taken in a couple of games, but yeah, that's pretty much it. GSPN.info. you get links to everything there. If you want to join the discord and get into the brewers channel and be a part of all of the fun brewers talk that goes on there, or all the fun books talk that goes on there. We've got, we've got a package channel on there now, too. Um, you can get access through there, gspnstore.com. You'll also get the link in there. If you want to rep Cruising for a bruising or any of the other GSPN pods, you want to support us and what we're doing, please do go take a look around the store, and I'm sure you'll find something here like. Five star reviews and ratings on on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you listen on that allows that very much welcome helps us get the word out helps us get more people listening to our show. Until next time, thanks all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew.
2: Thanks, Adam.